What do Maya Angelou and Tina Fey have in common? They, and countless others from celebrities to CFOs, have all suffered from something known as imposter syndrome. Even those among us with elevated status as renowned authors or talented comics are not immune to feeling fear about how the world perceives them or their work. So what does that mean for the rest of us? How do those of us who are not amongst the genius, the rich, or the famous feel like we can own successes when they come our way? Stay tuned. That's coming up on this episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. Welcome to the Grounded Learners Guild, the podcast that gets real about education, authentic leadership, and the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. Here are your hosts, Casey Veach, Emily Copeland, and Jenny Labrie. You know that feeling. It's that feeling you get when you walk into a classroom or a meeting and you feel like you just don't belong. You feel like the most inadequate person in the room and that you have nothing to contribute to this amazing brain smash of brilliance happening around you. It's not just you. Everybody will have that experience known as imposter syndrome at some point in their lives, even the best thinkers and creatives today. There is hope for all of us when we are able to identify when imposter syndrome hits. Today, the Guild will be sharing some of our most meaningful imposter syndrome stories and how we have made strides in coping when the imposter winds pick up and try to knock us off balance. We hope our grounding strategies will help you realign to your purpose and have the confidence to stand strong, or at least pretend to. Our episode's intention today is that by the end of this episode, you'll be able to establish focal points to balance the story your imposter syndrome is telling you against the real story of your own skills and talents. Hi everyone, Casey here. Uh, So yeah, today's episode is all about imposter syndrome. Um, It's something that each of us in the guild has talked through and battled during our work together. Uh, So today that'll be what we're exploring, um, what it is, when you have it, and how can you deal. So I think our first idea was we really want to take some time to reflect and ruminate on imposter syndrome and some pretty amazing quotes uh, that our our fantastic researcher for this episode, Jenny, identified. Uh, The first quote that we wanted to share is from Maya Angelou, and she wrote the following about imposter syndrome. I have written 11 books, but each time I think, "Uh uh-oh, they're going to find me out now. I've run a game on everybody, and they're going to find me out. Uh, Emily and Jenny, what speaks to you about this quote? It just it just hurts to hear somebody that you know to be incredibly brilliant and accomplished. Like I've had the incredible fortune of listening to Maya Angelou speak, uh, and she's just amazing. It, it just almost like hurts inside to hear somebody you know is so awesome having that level of self-doubt or self-critique. It hurts, but it's also one of those things that you think about that no one is immune and everybody feels it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting that that she interprets it as a game. Like it's a game of cat cat and mouse, you know? Like mm-hmm. any moment you're staring behind you or over your shoulder thinking that someone's going to... to stand up in the middle of that room and say you're a fraud you've stolen every good idea you've ever had how dare you be in this room like I love that concept or that metaphor our listeners will find that 
if you haven't figured it out already, our team is very driven by metaphors. And the, the, the metaphor of it being a game that someday someone's going to throw the ball at you and tag you and out you as being an imposter. I love that metaphor that she creates in there. So that's the part that speaks to me. Um, the next quote that when I saw that you identified this, I was super, super excited because Tina Fey is like my homegirl. I secretly <laughs> wish yeah. that she was another best friend of mine just because she's so awesome and quirky. And I loved her book, Bossy Pants. Um, but her quote is, the beauty of the imposter syndrome is you vacillate between extreme egomania and a complete feeling of, I'm a fraud. Oh, God, they're on to me. I'm a fraud. So you just try to ride the egomania when it comes and enjoy it, then slide through the idea of fraud. So what are your guys' thoughts on this quote? I love that there is a acknowledgement that there you that there is a gamut of feelings right so a lot of times when we are feeling that imposter syndrome you know you're you're thinking like how do I deal or how do I cope with this or I'm you know I'm feeling guilty or you know I doubt something about myself but she also kind of talks about that you know I love the word egomania so you know is there and is it okay to feel a little bit of like pride in something that you're doing that might be out of your comfort zone or that you are challenged by, but you're excited about. Um, and so how do you find that balance? Is, it, is there a tipping point? Do you, do you go too far one way or the other? And how do, you, how do you manage both those sides? Well, and it's interesting to me that she sets it up like as living between these two extremes of being an egomaniac and feeling like a fraud and doesn't really talk about what's happening in between other than sliding back and forth. I, I even wonder if that's one of the reasons so many people have imposter syndrome is because they're afraid to look like the egomaniac. They want to seem like they're embracing an appropriate level of humility. And that humility has become so ingrained in our being that people just, again, treat themselves like a fraud, even when they're incredibly accomplished as Tina Fey is. Mm -hmm. I, I'm intrigued by the portion of this where she says, ride the wave of egomania when it comes and enjoy it. Like so often, I know the three of us have, have talked about that feeling, that weight of that lack of confidence, that doubt, that fear that comes with having to stand up and be an expert on something. Um, but to actually like sit in the glory of that moment and in, and name it as being, wow, I'm really good at this and, and revel in that. I don't think I have ever, ever done that within my own professional work as an educator, like actually sat down and enjoyed a moment. <laughs> like, so does that mean that's sad time? is that it's time it's time for us to try that one out <laughs> i feel like yeah like to to and to not have it be because i think emily what you said is right on like i don't want to be viewed as some cocky person that thinks i'm amazing because i can't stand those people i can't stand working with them because they're lacking that what i perceive as a continuous growth kind of thing and it could just be my problem but I never, I, I truly don't. Like even on the last, when I, when I was a director of our high school fall play, even on the last freaking show night, I would have notes. Like who does that? You <laughs> like, had, you had notes for closing night. night. Yet, 
I would ha- I would have notes on closing night. Of course like, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Who does that? Casey Beach. Oh, I'm the worst. So <laughs> so just I I need to embrace that concept more like the, the being a, an imposter you have co- that constant fear of fraud, but I never live in that egomania like she's suggesting in here because mm-hmm. it just makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah. How, what's your level of comfort with the slide, though? She's talking about sliding in between. Maybe you just need to, like, stay in that between zone somewhere and slide back and forth a little bit. Dabble in egomania. Don't live there, but don't live in imposter zone either. Right. Stop taking well, notes on closing nights. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think I'm going to be a little linguistical, syntactual, I don't even know the right word for this person, but slide through the idea of fraud. When you're running bases, right, you slide through, you fold it in, <laughs> you know, you just sort of live in that moment. You you don't pick up passengers while you're there. You just, this is happening around me. This is the way I'm feeling. I'm feeling the stealing Brene Browns, the shame gremlins, <laughs> the the imposter gremlins come up, you know, and, and try to enjoy that moment, I think, is really what I'm trying to say and get through with, with Tina's quote. So I think we've talked about through these reflections on these various quotes, some of the key symptoms and feelings that emerge when we're talking about imposter syndrome, the fear, the doubt, the lack of confidence, Um, which of these symptoms kind of arise most for the two of you when you feel the imposter syndrome winds a blowing and you start to feel shaken? I think it depends on the moment of imposter syndrome. There are... uh, we would be mistaken if we think it's only going to hit us once or twice in our lives. But I think what I'm most commonly finding is the fear of doubt. Well, I even just put fear there, but, you know, having doubt in myself or um, feeling guilty about something. And of course, that lack of confidence. I think that one's ever present as well. I would actually probably add a symptom to that list, and I think it's, it has a lot to do with procrastination. Um, I think one of the things you can see with imposter syndrome is people who, you know, are suffering from imposter syndrome almost like build in excuses for themselves to suck. And I am as guilty as anybody at building in those little pockets of, oh, well, I got to be plus on that paper, but it's because I waited until the week before it was due. I definitely would have gotten an A if I had, but, you know, because I'm I'm not smart enough to manage my time, right? That's why that happened. You know, like it's, a, it's almost like some built-in excuse making and putting things off in a way that forces me from doing my best, recognizing my best and living in my best. It almost like makes me feel like that imposter feeling is the real me you know it's like a buffer yeah (laughs) i was thinking it's the built-in safety net it's the built-in failure hug (laughs) like when you (laughs) fail and and failure comes to give you that hug like there there casey you blew it but it's because you procrastinated it's so casey you know would you does the procrastination resonate with you Oh, very much so. Very much so. I have a tendency to dive head, feet, and entire torso in first when I feel like I have confidence in my contributions. It's when I lack the confidence that I really procrastinate because if I fail, 
and show up, if I show up and I fail, then that's going to knock me four steps back and have my anxiety come up again and all, all of that mental, um, mental and emotional work comes crashing down if I don't have the, the failure safety net of procrastination sort of driving. So is, is that the, do we tell the Mike story? <laughs> I think we have to. You have to tell, we got to let our listeners in on this one. Veach, if you don't, we will. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more humorous when the two of you share it, but I'll, I'll sort of volley and set yeah, the stage. Set it up. <laughs> so this whole journey of starting the Grounded Learners Guild for us was, it, it, it felt like a going slow to go fast. And again, the perfect example of my procrastination coming to a head was when it came to filming our first episode last week's episode and I hadn't even opened my freaking mic and we were supposed to get together she was unpacking it still with like the bubble wrap yep we were like ready to talking and planning (laughs) Emily and Jenny are ready to go like they had tested their mics out all of last week Jenny had recorded a whole bunch of snippets of stuff and I had even hadn't even unpacked my mic because and, and I really do feel like that was coming from that place of fear that doubt that I wasn't good enough, that I didn't have the confidence to make all of this work. And so I procrastinated and therefore was unpacking the mic at the last minute. <laughs> um, to out you a little bit way. further on this one, I think um, you also made a comment like, if you, we don't feel like you have something to add, we could totally boot you from the podcast. <laughs> like, like <laughs> this is an episode of Island. Yeah, like it's in Survivor or something, and we could vote you off. <laughs> like, that's not a thing. Not, not with what we've planned to do and the, the way we work together, like we talked you're about in the last episode. <laughs> yep, you're stuck, stuck with us. Deal. <laughs> so I think this this whole conversation leads us leads me to thinking about kind of our main gist or our main main takeaway with this episode is finding a focal point whether that focal point is a deadline like we had when it came to recording our first episode or uh, finding someone to be that spokesperson that leader that cheerleader for you or um, we call it find your focal point or at least pretend to stare like show up (laughs) even if it's uncomfortable even if it's scary because no matter what at least you're showing up at least you're there and at least you're trying something new so in our next segment uh, now that we've sort of defined uh, what imposter syndrome is our next segment is really going to be about imposter syndrome admissions So we're going to kind of take some time to share our stories of when the imposter syndrome wins were of hurricane speed and we had those sort of um, imposter gremlins talking to us and telling us that we weren't super awesome. So Jenny, I think you're going to start us off. Yep, I'll lead us off. So with any kind of imposter syndrome, that's going to happen many times in your life if you're human. Um, I think you'd be hard hard-pressed to find somebody that is confident all the time and feels like they've got their stuff together all the time. And um, this could be, you know, if you're thinking and reflecting yourself on, is this something that has happened to you in the past? Or is it currently ongoing, something in the present? Or maybe it's going to hit you and you want to be prepared for it. For my specific story, although I have many, um, I will, I'll talk about the one in my past. So when it came to my, my career as a Spanish teacher and being in the classroom, it actually started with 
in order to be a Spanish teacher, you need to be able to speak Spanish, right? Kind of Duh. an important thing. <laughs> <You> yeah. <think. laughs> so uh, I, I didn't necessarily, um, I, I didn't, I'm not a native speaker. And I hadn't learned to speak Spanish. I hadn't even started speaking Spanish until I was about uh, 15, high school, freshman year. You know, the, the typical, traditional, uh, when you start to take it here in the United States sometimes. And, uh, and so I, I took it up for four years in high school and I went to college. And I knew I always wanted to be a teacher, but I didn't know what I wanted to teach. And Spanish seemed like maybe it would be a good fit. And so I stuck with it and ended up getting a major. I studied abroad, all of that. But... Nonetheless, I was never a native speaker, never can be. That's something I can never say about myself, that it's something that I have to work at and it didn't just come naturally to me. And, and so once I finally got myself in a classroom, that's when the imposter syndrome definitely hit, especially because that lack of confidence hit. Who am I to be speak, teaching a language that isn't my native language? And feeling as though I'm making errors and especially when, you know, our department decided in order to do language acquisition correctly, you need to be in the target language, you know, 99% of the time with your students. And so it was a challenge for me and I definitely rose to the challenge, but there was a lot of doubt, a lot of doubt, a lot of guilt in the sense that, am I doing this right? You know, you know, when you have somebody come in as far as your supervisor to look at listen and give you feedback on your teaching but I always felt like a huge imposter and so it wasn't until you know fast forward 13 into my 13th year teaching Spanish I had a new division head come into my classroom and this one for the first time in my entire existence of speaking Spanish someone giving me feedback she's Venezuelan and so her Spanish is beautiful and her Spanish is native Spanish and so man that was you know having her come in what a you know a gut check like oh man am I doing this right and especially I've been doing this for well over a decade and here we go and and when she left my room I'm sure you can relate you you the doubt creeps in do I speak well enough am I a fraud I'm going to be found out here I am I'm going to be found out finally after all these years it wasn't until several hours later I ran into her. And actually, Emily, you I don't know if you remember this encounter, but we were in the hallway. You were actually standing there with me. Um, and, and what did she do? Do you remember what she did? Do you even remember this story? I, I definitely remember her giving you feedback, but I don't remember the specific conversation. Do so you, flush it, it out. It was very <laughs> interesting because this was pre-COVID times. She came up to me and gave me a hug. She gave me a hug and she said, Jenny, thank you. You are an excellent teacher. And that Spanish of yours is beautiful. And that is the first time I had had anyone tell me that, let alone somebody who was a native speaker. And so I guess my moral of my story is hindsight's easy now with that particular story, because I can say I, I, I fretted over something for so many years. And, and really what I chose to do was I, I showed up. I continued to be there for my kids. I, I, I knew I was trying my best every single every single mistake I make or a flub of words that I said and so I know that that's how I that was my focal point for years and years kept that focal point stayed true to myself and knew I was trying my best but yeah that hindsight is oh my goodness I fretted over all of that for so long when really you just sometimes you need to hear it from somebody else as well yeah somebody else needs to step in and sort of validate Mm -hmm. to kind of quiet those winds down and say back up (laughs) you're doing 
great. And I think what's powerful about that story, Jenny, is is that she was specific in like the way you spoke was beautiful. I think that sometimes can be really helpful in accepting that the imposter syndrome is not actually real. Like you are not an imposter. It's when mm-hmm. someone is willing to step out and be very specific when giving you feedback. I don't know. You've always been good at accepting compliments, though. Much better than me and the rest of us. <laughs> I think it's an important thing when somebody goes out of their way to tell you something nice about yourself. Mm-hmm. That, you know, if you if you say, yeah, no, or you downplay it, it's almost like saying what, what you have to say about me isn't true. When, you know, who are, like, yes, it's about you, but who are you to say how they should feel about you? And almost yeah. to be gracious in that um, is an important skill as well, I think. A mini hack on that one. Uh, One that's been working for me and learning how to accept a compliment is that's so nice of you to say, because Mm -hmm. it it does allow you to push that focus off of yourself and back onto the giver of the compliment, Mm -hmm. um, but still is a gracious way to take it. You're not, you're not saying, yeah, I am amazing, aren't I? Or I do speak so beautifully. Thanks for saying, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) but you also appreciate that the person did do something important, which was go out of their way to give you some very specific and positive feedback and in that moment I've and trust me I have to work hard at this this is something I practice at maybe as hard as Jenny practices her Spanish like learning (laughs) how to take a good compliment a little bit but that's so nice of you to say I really appreciate that like almost thanking the person for their thanks like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it feels okay yeah it's that part of writing I think that's part of riding that wave of egomania a little bit ego Egomania? Egomania. Words are hard for me. Yes. (laughs) I think it's, I think that's a part of that egomania that Faye talked about above. Like sometimes you got to accept that compliment and ride that wave. Mm -hmm. Um, Hi, my name is Casey and I feel like an imposter all the time. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And my imposter syndrome is pretty deeply rooted um, just in my personality. And it's, it's so rooted that it derives even my physical appearance and dress. For years, years, I would always have to, and even now I'm wearing like a pashmina, but I always would have to wear a scarf around my neck because I would get so nervous, even when I'm presenting to large groups, definitely, but even in small meetings, that (laughs) I would get like bright red from the neck down that I had to cover it because I was afraid that that was going to be a tell that someone would know she's really nervous, she's freaking out, and that means she doesn't deserve to be in this room. And granted, over the past you know five years since I found my amazing guild, and I've been able to lean on all of you to help me through that, um, I've had to use the scarves less and less. But my real imposter story happened about four years ago. I've always loved attending edu conferences. I find them really inspiring when the presenters there sort of speak from the heart and tell their stories. There's always something that I can take away from, whether it's, you know, a tech tool or just a a story or a resource that helps inspire me and keep me motivated. And I was starting to reach a point where I felt like it was time for me to start giving back to that community that had given me so much. But I 
was sort of haunted by those winds of imposter syndrome telling me that you've stolen every idea you've ever had. Everything that you could possibly ever want to share, someone has already shared it and probably 10 times better than you. And I remember sitting at our one of our coaching meetings kind of sharing that narrative with one of our elementary coaches. And he's like, whoa, stop. I'm going to show this to you. And it's a video, I think from, I forget his name, but maybe Dan Silvers, Dave Silvers. I don't know. It, but it's called It's Obvious to You. And it's a quick three, four, five minute video that just talks about how everything that has probably ever been made has been inspired by somebody else. Like even the great John Coltrane didn't think that his greatest hits were his greatest hits. That everything, because the creator is by nature doubting their own creation, that you just have to put out your work, put out your contributions to the world and let listeners, viewers, participants decide. And after watching that video and talking with that coach, I thought, yeah, I just I just got to show up and and put it out there. And if someone wants to listen to it, great. But at the end of the day, as long as I'm proud of what I put out, as long as I can put my name on it and it reflects who I am as a person and the values that I have, I'm just going to do it. So I ended up sending out a couple of proposals to a few local conferences and even a, a national conference was brave enough to do that. And they've been accepted and I've fallen in love with giving back to the community ever since and creating and sharing with people in the ways that I like to be shared with. So that's my my story of imposter syndrome. And his name is Derek. I <laughs> Derek, thank you. You're Derek. welcome. Derek, Derek Silver. Okay. Severs? Yeah. Yeah. So if you Close. haven't checked out that video, um, it's obvious to you and you and you are feeling like an imposter and in, in, in sharing and being part of a wider intellectual community, definitely check it out. I have to watch it once a year. And I, and I can't remember his name ever. <laughs> but awesome. My imposter syndrome story, kind of, kind of referring to what Jenny said, the imposter girlmans and I go way back. We're close friends. They hang out on my couch and they know my middle name and all that. Like, <laughs> I, I think what, what I deal with it with imposter syndrome is really tied up in transitions. Like every time I try something new or take on a new role and, and I've taken on many, you know, I've, I've gone from, you know, college right into, um, you know, student teaching, then into teaching at the middle school level, then into high school LMC director, and then moving into tech role and then a coaching role and now into podcasting. And I feel like every time I've taken on something new, I spend anywhere from a couple of months to a year living in that imposter syndrome zone, like, oh, everybody's going to find out that I'm so bad at this, or I I feel like everybody is doing such a good job at this, but I seem like the village idiot here, you know? So I, I unfortunately have to speak to it with my most recent iteration of this process, and it is literally happening right now. I know we dabbled in that a little bit, talking about Casey not um, unwrapping, unwrapping her mic. Right. But podcasting makes me incredibly self-critical and nervous. 
Um, I have been grappling with worrying that my voice sounds weird, that I overuse certain words. I think um is one of them, and I just did it. I'm going to catch that later. Um, and I, I think about Jenny and Casey and how incredibly like intelligent and articulate you sound. And I feel like by comparison, I sound like where's Waldo? Like, I don't belong here. Like why, why is this person here talking with these two, you know? And it's just a a weird thing to get your head around. I feel like I've, you've been finally gotten to the point where I'm feeling confident with my instructional coaching. And, um, I feel like we've got things to give back to the community and professional development, like Casey cited with her experience. And we're finally get to the point where I'm comfortable there. And now we're trying to share more content. And I, I, while I do think the guild has a lot to offer, the self critique is real. I keep listening back to my own segments or comments and thinking that something is weird about how I sound or maybe just the listeners will think Jenny and Casey are awesome and I should just stop talking. (laughs) Well, that's hilarious because there are many reasons why this podcast has finally made its way onto the airwaves. But Uh, One of which is I I finally got to the point where I spend all day, every day with Emily, particularly because we're in the same building. And Emily and I are together so much that I finally was like, I need to share her with the world. Like people need to hear the the quips that come out of her mouth and all that she has to say as far as is so very intelligent, but also entertaining. So, yeah, it's so ironic that. I'm going to throw it. That's so nice of you to say, because I <laughs> there's there that go. part of me that wants to be like, you're just saying that because you're my work wife and you love me. Like, <laughs> so that here's too. the thing, though. You mentioned this idea of finding focal points of something or someone to focus on to get you through that discomfort and difficulty in that situation. I will say in, in this process and even ongoing I try to focus almost by zooming out a little bit, like thinking of it less yoga and maybe more like photography. I'm zooming out. I'm trying to look at the big picture. Yes, I think that both of you have a lot of very wonderful things to say and that you deserve to be listened to. And for whatever reason, you guys have chosen me as your guild member. And I need to accept that at face value and think about that as not just this nice thing that you're saying to me, but there is belief that somebody else has in me and my ability to do whatever it is I want to do, whether it's podcasting or maybe once I've got that down, getting my doctorate someday. But I need to think about the people who have invested uh, something in what I can bring to table and make that my focal point. Because honestly, if your focal point is going to be something as nitpicky as you know, the words you overuse or what you sound like. I think that I I wouldn't tell any of you guys to focus on those things. So why do I let myself do it? Right. Mm -hmm. It's that, that comment of what would you say to your best friend right now? And kind of living and embodying that. I also think it's important to kind of call out the, what we would say to teachers, right? When it comes to filming their own resources or making their own videos, no one likes the way they sound. No one likes the way they look on camera. And if you do, give me the name of your therapist who taught you how to think like that because I want that kind of confidence. But your average person that you want to hang out with does not like the way they look on camera or does not like the way they talk. So it's just sort of like ripping off the Band-Aid 
and trying in any way in spite of the imperfections you know have that be a focal point like yeah I'm gonna screw it up yeah I may not like these things the way they sound but I'm gonna try it anyway because I believe in what I'm doing so we had an opportunity to kind of define imposter syndrome to share it uh, our stories of imposter syndrome and I think through our stories we've touched on some major causes First off, when we're faced with high-pressure environments where either we perceive there to be high stakes or we feel like there's something amazing happening and we are in that physical space but maybe don't deserve to be there mentally, like that's what really causes those imposter syndrome wins to grow or those (laughs) imposter syndrome gremlins to rise up off the couch and join you on your shoulders. Where else have you guys seen kind of your imposter syndrome, just in a general sense, rise up? Well, for for me, the comparison game is one of them. If I if I'm not focused, if I don't have my focal point in the right place, you know, doing my best in service of others, that kind of thing, and I'm actually just trying to compare who I am to someone else next to me. And in the case of trying to speak Spanish, I was constantly comparing: Am I doing it right? this person speaks better than I do or whatever it might be. It, it takes your eye off of that focal point and you get off kilter and you lose your balance because if you're comparing, you're looking left and right. You're not staring ahead at that focal point. Dang, girl, I love that. True. <laughs> That's awesome. Legit. How about you, Em? I would probably say mine is a little bit of high-pressure environments or maybe like I mentioned, high-pressure situations, things that are transitional, things that are new, things that are not comfortable are where I typically tend to feel off off balance myself and it's harder for me to find a focal point and feel like I belong in that room or on that team. Uh, but I would actually point more just to straight-up human nature. I think that that avoidance of ego or that avoidance of seeming like you wanting to be the expert or the know-it-all, like there's so many nasty things that people have called like little kids, like, oh, you're a know-it-all or you're bossy or, you know, just things that you don't, you, you would never, you've learned not to call people. You call yourself those things all the time. If you ruminate too hard on a subject or seem a little bit too much like you're trying to run the room or run the table or even recognize like, yeah, I'm freaking good at this. But if you, if you want to do that for yourself, it really takes some work getting past that initial human nature of trending towards modesty. I need to be humble. I need to be modest. I need to not toot my own horn. I just, we get stuck there. And I'm going to put this on the table, but eventually take it off. I think it's also important or worth a moment to name that perhaps not all genders feel those feelings equally. I think, and again, stereotypes, you know, aren't really the best way to operate or live, but I think you will find those sorts of feelings arise more in women and especially in women in leadership positions kind of rising more than you may see somewhere else. I'm not saying that it happened. It doesn't happen elsewhere. I think it does, Mm -hmm. but we see more prevalence as women. So let's rewrite that narrative. Yep. I love that. I love that. And that's part of finding a guild full of amazing kick butt women there to stand in your corner and tell you the things that you would tell them. 
yep. or remind you of the things that you already know about yourself and the ideas that you have to share. Yeah, so. I'm not going to lie. Having a focal point of some badass feminine energy is yes. a way to kind of get past some of that societal messaging that creates that self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I like the idea of rewriting that. Yeah, awesome. All right, ladies, we ready for the game? Game time. Game time. Game time. Da, 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 da. Okay. Oh, there's a so, song. <laughs> um, <laughs> my pathetic attempt to write a song. Sweet. All right. So this uh, game, we're going to do who would be. So who would be the best secret agent? So it's all themed impostery, if you weren't quite sure. But all these game topics are imposter-like. So who out would be among us? us the best? Yes. Of the three of us, who would be the best secret agent? Emily, what do you got? I think it's Jenny, but I'm I'm leaning on the fact that she is multilingual. I think she'd do better jumping into other international c- countries. <laughs> international woman of mystery, right? Even <laughs> though she has her rural upbringing, yeah. and then she's put in her time. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Jenny, you have this number one air of sophistication about you, just in the way you carry yourself. That's so nice of you to say. <laughs> I'm working on that. One. Oh, we're all trained now. <laughs> yeah. And and number two, that there's just this poise that you have in tough situations and in challenging situations. I don't think you would crack as easily as I would under pressure. I also I'm think it's that for the good cool. guys, right? Yes. Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, it's the quiet tendency to observe too, and then yes. adapt. You're good at it. You can do it. I think you'd mm-hmm. be okay in the international mystery badass. CIA, whatever type of agency. What's that? What's the uniform for that? Can I wear leggings? Yes. Okay. <laughs> then I'm in. Um, who would be the best therapist? Easy. Emily. Emily, for sure. Definitely. Why? There's so many times where I'm like, we're sitting there and I, I'm telling you about my day and I'm like, man, I mean, I, 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 you are, I love working with you, but maybe you should be like, helping other people through their their stuff you just have a way about keeping the focus on the healing instead of you know the problem you listen to the problem you don't admire the problem and you help people through that healing and for those exact reasons no offense emily i would say jenny we can have multiple therapists we can we can yeah, we all, and that's the benefit of being a coach, right? You get skilled in, mm-hmm. in helping people determine what their needs are, and maybe help them brainstorm some possible next steps. That uh, we none of us would be in this profession if we didn't like helping people work through right. things and self improve. In right. truth, so yeah. I'm going to take that cop out answer. <laughs> all right, <laughs> um, who would be the best snake oil salesman? I don't know snake oil so the for those of you who aren't aware of that reference like the the person who comes into town and is selling you a cure-all for everything but it ends up not really working or doing what it was intended to do which one would we may not like that 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 job or which one i don't know because that means there's a phoniness to it i don't think of us as phony are you trying to get out? We're supposed to say you. I, I think <laughs> I am saying you, and here is why. You have ability to sort of translate the way you're talking to an audience to think of what they might want to hear 
and to there we go. use a common vocabulary that is appealing to someone else. I do think you'd be so personally affected by what you're doing. You would have to literally leave town very quickly the second that sale was made. <laughs> you would or not I'd be have okay to be like, it. what are you talking about? It totally works. Like, I would be the you one believe. who... You'd be like I, drinking I, it in front of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I would generally have to believe that it worked. Like, like... It would have to work. Otherwise, why would I sell it in the first place? Yeah, it it can absolutely not be me. I have to say I was such a bad salesperson that my only job in sales, I used to physically hide from customers. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah, you you didn't last in that job very long, did you? No. (laughs) Uh, Nine months, but not a lot of commission. (laughs) I'll I'll take the snake oil salesman role. However, I think I'm going to make it into a spin doctor kind of thing, but not in a bad way. But I think Emily worded it. Yeah, I think it comes from a good place. I don't think you're deceptive. I just think you're good at messaging. Yes. Marketing. I miss my calling Mm -hmm. as a marketing. There you go. Mm -hmm. Um, And then finally, who would be the most talented at and most likely to win at Texas Hold'em? You need a poker face, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Not Emily. Sorry, oh, I'm. Nope. Really? Because Emily definitely would have been my no. first bet. No, She's not. liking wearing masks on, yeah, for one I'm... reason, and that's because she can hide behind it when she <laughs> yes. doesn't like what someone says. My facial expressions where I'm like in it, unable to inc- control grimacing when I don't like something, I'm like, oh, mask wearing is amazing. <laughs> All of a sudden, I get it. It's for inscrutability, but I don't have it. I, Jenny, I think this one's you again. Um, yeah. I think you do have a better poker face than either of us in a fraught situation. And I think that you could bluff if you needed to. And I also think that because you're quietly logical and you think through your decisions, you would make the right wagers and calls on the table. Uh, however, I will also say that I'm the only one who knew how to play Texas Hold'em. Yeah, when we even yeah. I think that's why this. I said you. Yes. Although, <laughs> we drafted this question and Jenny's like, wait, is that poker? <laughs> I, I even had to double check again. Just I was like, oh, it's sure. like three card poker. And then there's two cards in the middle and they change and then you change. Your- okay. Yeah. But I will say this. I it, It's definitely not me. Also, again, kind of like hiding from customers. I also have never finished a poker game without like over wagering myself out because my attention span isn't long enough for it. Love it. Can't Love do it. it. All right. So key takeaways from this week's episode on imposter syndrome. I think all of our narratives, all of our stories that we told were all about getting people around you that firmly believe that you are not an imposter and will be there in your corner to back you up when you feel those winds blow. Next, noticing and naming when you feel that emotion sort of rise, even doing some positive self-talk like, okay, this is the imposter syndrome, I'm feeling it, and trying to talk yourself through that process. And ultimately, don't let that narrative stop you from stepping in and trying hard things anyway. I would often use the phrase, and I think we've sort of taken it on as a group, fake it till you make it. You know, if you play that role and keep staring and and embody, keep staring. Yes, keep staring and embody that role and realign, find that focal point. And for us, that focal point has always been doing things in service of others. Helps us realign that purpose. And then last but not least for sure, perfection is a myth. 
And anyone who leads you to believe they are perfect is probably lying to you. So acknowledge the per- the perfection myth is key. Mm-hmm. So providing a little taste of what to come if you decide you're going to keep listening to the Grounded Learners Guild, and we hope that you do. We are looking to do some upcoming episodes, first of all, on Firehose PD. So professional development, uh, what you want to do, what you really don't want to do. And I promise you, Firehose won't be the only metaphor that we use in that episode talking about professional development for teachers. Also upcoming, uh, dirty words and unpopular opinions, the things that nobody wants to say or talk about in education and how we really feel about those things. And finally, we'll be discussing the make it work mindset, square peg, round hole, smash it in there and make it work. Is it good? Is it motivating? Or is it just damaging? Those are some things that we can discuss up and coming. So stick with us. Thanks for listening today. Remember, the imposter syndrome winds blow when we are anxious or afraid of embarrassing ourselves, or when we ignore the strengths and talents that either are innate or come with practice. If you aren't feeling like an imposter, perhaps you aren't being challenged. In her October 2020 article for Psychology Today, Janina Scarlett, PhD, writes, If you are feeling like an imposter, if you are questioning whether you're ready or good enough, it means you're exactly where you're meant to be. When we ground ourselves in these truths, we can progress as growth-driven educators, thinkers, and creators. We hope these strategies will help you find a focal point, or at least help you pretend to stare, until those imposter wins subside. If you want to connect, you can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, on Twitter, at cveacher, at techcoachm, and at Jenny Labrie. We believe in the power of feedback. It helps us continue to grow and bring you quality content that matters to you. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Thanks again for joining us, Casey, Emily, and Jenny, in today's episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. See you at the next Guild meeting. And in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded.